Any education apart from Jesus Christ is for us miseducation. And it produces not education nor an educated man, but a new race of barbarians who are today busily destroying their civilization. Humanistic education is the institutionalized love of death. Christian education, because it serves him who says, I am the way, the truth, and the light, is the love of life. This is the Love of Life podcast, conversations with Jesse and Courtney. Thanks for joining us. It's another episode of the Love of Life podcast, and here we are. It is January, almost February. We're recording this here at the end of January, and it's been a few weeks since we've had an episode. Last episode was uh, with Marcus Pittman, and we had a great interview with him and all he's doing over at Lore TV. Yeah, interesting stuff. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, I really enjoyed talking to him. Yeah, I'm excited to see what content they end up putting out and what there is to watch. Yeah. Yeah, that'll be really good. I can't wait. I can't wait for, um, oh shoot, why can't I think of his name? It just escaped me. Nicholas? No. My guy from Chile. Uh, Nathan. Oh, Nathan. Nathan Anderson. Sorry, yeah. Na- sorry, Nathan, if you're watching. Yeah, Nathan, I can't, I cannot wait for his documentary series to come out, which, yeah, yeah. I know I've expressed multiple times on the podcast just how excited I am, <laughs> but I am really excited and I cannot wait for his docuseries on post-millennial, uh, thought eschatology all the interviews they have yeah so that's this is just a plug for you uh to watch this and also it's a reminder for for nathan let's go (laughs) i'm ready to see some content how many parts do you remember i don't remember no i don't remember more than one so that's exciting more than one it'll be a well it's a docuseries so it'll be a lot There will be a lot. Okay, so we've been reading a lot. We've been talking a lot about what's going on in the world. We've been doing family devotions pretty regularly with the kids, which has been great. And um, we've had an episode where we've talked about family devotions that, um, you know, at some point we want to do, we want to do a video where we're showing us doing family devotions. It'll be uh, very, I'm sure unprofessional it'll just be a camera or two that will be lined up somewhere in the house but we want to show just our routine of how we go through the word of god how we're trying to get the word of god into our kids um you know we we recite the nicene creed we go over the 10 commandments we're memorizing the bible and all that seems like uh, maybe on if you had asked me a few months ago i don't know about you but if you had asked me a few months ago i'd have been like we're gonna do what every night like that sounds really good, but are the kids really going to get into it? And they're in a good rhythm. Like, they really enjoy it. Yeah, it goes Overall. by... It goes by fast. So, yeah. so there's that. It doesn't really take that long. And, yeah, the more familiar they are with some of the things that we are repeating, the more they get into it. And I'm amazed at the way that they can listen and retain when you read the scripture and... The way that they answer the questions, you know, like sometimes I'm like, I don't know, I kind of zoned out, but what do the kids answer? Right. Uh, Which is really cool. And then, yeah, just even 
that we sing the doxology. We sing the doxology. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. At the end. Um, our one-year-old is like singing along, and that's really cool. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, I wonder what it would be like if we had grown up doing devotions. Yeah. Like, did you, I mean, did you grow up doing family devotions? I don't remember doing family devotions. I'm sure my mom would read us things, you know, throughout, but I don't remember having like a consistent, like after dinner, you know, that this kind of thing. I mean, my mom always prayed with us. My dad prayed with us, but I don't remember this type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And this is, it's, it's, it's regular. It's right after dinner. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you said, it's not long. So I think because of that, the kids are just more apt to be going, okay, cool, dinner's over, you know, now what? That's how it used to be. And now there's something that fills that time. And it's, I mean, it's not but 15 minutes probably, 15 at the most 20 minutes, if it's that. Yeah, yeah. Which is which is really great. So, yeah, we're we're enjoying that. Uh, The beginning part of this year has been going pretty well. We're finally getting into winter, and winter is among us and around us, and it's freezing out now. Um, but it's, it's the perfect time to be reading your kids the long winter. Yes. Yeah. And you are? Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to get to that book while it was still winter and we're supposed <laughs> to have a lot of snow this week. So I think it's in part because we're reading that book. No. Has Not that, really at all. Has, but, that, been the, has that been in the long winter by? Uh, Laura Wilder. Laura Ingalls, Ingalls Wilder. Wilder. Yeah. 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 Laura Ingalls Wilder. Yes. And then, so what has been their favorite book out of those? Of uh, what we've read so far, I think they all like Farmer Boy the best. That was my favorite. Well, and our three oldest are boys, so yeah. that makes a difference too. But yeah. I'm just fascinated by all the Almanzo meat eats, like all through the book. It's like all this food and like all these courses and like he talks about how much food he puts away. It's yeah. like after he eats a whole dinner, it'll be... Like four slices of pie. It's like <laughs> ridiculous and amazing. But he also works like hard labor. So what, what, so he wasn't a fatty? He didn't like get all I don't think so. I blow think up he's like with just all that pie? high metabolism and working hard in the field. Just doesn't phase him. Nice. And that's been yeah. the favorite of the, of the boys? I, I think that they would all answer that. But they've enjoyed all of them that we've read. In fact, we were going to do a different book before we went to the long winter. Yeah. Um, the Firewing Saga. It's popular. Oh, right. Yeah. We were going to start one, but then as soon as we finished On the Banks of Silver... No. Banks, Banks of, of Plum, Plum, Creek. Plum Creek. It's yeah. not that one. It's Silver Lake. Silver Lake. By the shores of Silver Lake? Shores. Yeah. Okay. Their titles tripped me up. Yeah. So after we finished that one, we were going to switch series for a book, but then they're like, no, The Long Winter. We have to read it. <laughs> so yeah, that's the one we're They're really enjoying it. Oh, yeah. It's fun. And I didn't read them as a kid, so for me, like... I'm enjoying them. Yeah. Like this and their life is so simple and so um I mean it's kind of like this weird moment in time that can't ever be repeated. Like they can further west and further west, there's nothing. Mm-hmm. Like with America being kind of this forgotten space and land, at least to Europeans. So that's like we're not gonna find a new pocket of land that we've all forgotten about that people can go and inhabit and they'll the government will even give you land if you'll settle it kind of deal like Yeah, that'll never happen a, again. No, it's a moment <laughs> in time. So but it's interesting. It's interesting to read about the experience they're having that's unlike so much of what we've ever known of in really established places. So like this family that's 
by themselves. They're so isolated and like the things that bring them such joy. Like they're a really contented people and mm-hmm. they have almost nothing or only what they can grow or make. And I'm just amazed by how simple their life is. But again, just like joyful. Um, pa will play his fiddle all the time and like just the singing delights them and they memorize, they have all the Psalms memorized, the girls, they just said that and just it's family togetherness and these few like little things in life, just working hard and being outside and yeah, it's sweet. Yeah. It's sweet to see how little they have, but how thankful they are for it. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely such a simplicity in that time period. But I don't know if I would want to go back because of no. how hard those people had to work to so do hard. anything. Laundry, yeah. food, I mean, all of that. It's that It's that whole uh, catch-22 of what, was it really go- the good old days, you know, back then? Yeah. Or, or really were you working so much harder to get your meat, to do all of the things you had to do in life just to survive? I don't know. I mean, I'd love to read about the older days and things, but I don't think I'd ever want to be without electricity and I like laundry machines <laughs> and all yeah. of that. So, yeah, I know. feel like there's some some benefits to their way of living so simply, but yeah. it also makes me reading it now appreciate we have running water. Right. Like that is some of the things that we easily take for granted or like when they really their only food is like four things in their pantry and whatever they can make out of it. And we have such abundance in our time and in our country. So to be grateful for those things and to see that they are so far beyond what people have had in different times and places yeah. is um, just keeps you not taking things for granted. Yeah. So yeah. that's nice about it. And we can just have like our fire inside our house where wind and snow are not getting through and just be grateful for it and not worry about the snow and wind. Like right. that's what a luxury, yeah. you know? So, so good lessons to learn good lessons about to people's learn. harder life. Yeah. <laughs> totally. and, and to be grateful. Yeah. To be grateful to be and grateful. to not complain. Yeah. Like, and sometimes, you know, if any of us are tempted to grumble, it'd be like, okay, will you go out and chop the firewood or we're going to freeze? Like we can put it in perspective yeah. Taking some of the things of their life and how slow and like you said, how long all the processes were to do everything. You want some milk? Go milk the cow. Like that's what you have to do. Yeah. Um so yeah. That's good. That's good. You didn't know we were gonna talk about Laura Ingalls Wilder, did you? I didn't. That was unexpected. <laughs> yeah. A lot of good lessons to, to to be learned. There are. You know? Yeah, there are. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so we want to talk about some books that we've been reading. Or is there anything else you want to highlight from the last few weeks of just living and and everything? Maybe not of living, but we reading. We can go into the reading. Okay, cool. Um, You've I been finished, going through some books? Yeah, so I finished this because it's so short, which is really fun to read a really short book that you can pretty and, much and, just and, read. And, and what is the title for it's, those that are listening? Because we have a listening audience oh, that's here. Right. Okay. It's called Why Baptize Babies by Mark Horn, and it says an explanation of the theology and practice of the Reformed churches. And it's like part of an Answers in an Hour series, which is why it's so short. But what I really appreciated about this book is, well, one, he starts off by saying, hey, if you are um, Protestant and you don't believe in baptizing babies, this is not like the end all to convince you, but this is just where your Protestant baby baptizing brothers and sisters are coming from. This is where we see it biblically. Uh, so you can know that 
it is biblically based and just see it from our perspective. Does he say Protestant or Reformed? Do you think when he says that? I think he maybe prob- Reformed. I think he means Reformed. Probably. Yeah, because we're we're still Protestant. Well, right, but right. yeah. But you're saying if you were if you grew up and you're Protestant mm-hmm. and you didn't practice baptizing right. babies, right? Okay, and you think that those people who are Protestant mm-hmm. and that do baptize and that are doing babies, it. That or reformed and okay yeah. so now you and i didn't grow up that way no i mean that is you and i did not grow up thinking baptizing your babies was the right way right okay yeah it was a foreign concept yeah in our circles so i guess what this this book just really breaks it down easily he makes a lot of good points and it's he talks about just like the overarching picture of the Bible and of God being a covenantal God. And um, even though there's not like, here's this exact scripture that says, and then, you know, Peter took so-and-so's baby and baptized <laughs> him. Um, it talks about that just being the whole, like so consistent with all of the Bible and how God deals with families and how when you have a child, they are a part of that family. If a Jew were to have a child, that child is a part of the Jewish culture. Like God is covenantally their God. They are not set outside the camp during the feasts and the festivals, and they have the same ceremonial cleansings required if they touch blood or different things like that, as do the adults. And then they're brought in. It's not waiting around for some confession of them saying, hey, I'm Jewish, like they are. Um, So just a lot of what he points out was helpful. And because I've read another book about this, like this is just more of a helpful overarching picture. Um, And one of the things we kind of talk about, which I feel like is also helpful in understanding where it's coming from. And he makes a really good biblical case, and this is not part of that, but (laughs) how... You know, okay. when we when you have a child, yeah. like you instantly give them your last name. Yes. You don't say, okay, well, we're just going to wait and see if you act like a fister and then we'll let you be one. Like once you can claim that that's what you are, then you can be part of our family. Like, no, from the get-go, our children get our last name and they get the benefits of that. They get our home. They get our food. They, you know, get our affection. Like that's part of what it is to be in a family before you are even able to choose your family. Like God has chosen your family and placed you in it. And there are certain benefits that come with that. Mm -hmm. So in a similar way, I feel like baptizing your babies is saying, because you were born into this family by God's sovereign will, like you are part of God's family in name. And we are going to give you the benefits of that. And he talks about too, like for in the New Testament, when it talks a lot about people walking away mm-hmm. from the faith, he's like, you have to have had something to walk away from to be able to even be apostate and walk away. So like to have that baptism, that claim, um, then you have something to walk away from. It doesn't make sense if you don't have anything substantial or covenantal to be walking away from. Um, that's another point I had. And then you can interject if you have something. <laughs> no, this is good. Um, well, when, when when a kid is born, you don't wait until he's five years or 
three, five years old, four or five years old and say, okay, now what is your last name? Are you a fister? Think really hard about being a fister. Yeah. Are you? And that is, of course, our last name, which <laughs> most people know. Um, but, you know, are, are you a smith? Are, mm-hmm. are, think about it really hard and tell me, confess to me that you are a smith. Now, you're not going to be a smith until you understand what being a smith is. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's another way that made, I think, scripture regarding baptizing babies go on like a light bulb. Like this is covenantally being in the family of God is about lit for for some people it's really growing up into it mm-hmm. some and they can walk away from it you know you can you can reject what you were in covenant with right and and you know and be apostate and many people are and many people are who got baptized when they were 12 15 years old and then later on rejected christ right it's not a guarantee it's because not. you wait and you confess it or people say you have to have fruit before we can baptize you like you know, that's that's not even biblical because it's repent and be baptized. Like as upon your repentance, then you're to be baptized before there's time to see if there's fruit. Yeah. Um so there's that. But also oh, I'm out of it. You're out of it? No. You really <laughs> lost were my on, train of thought. No, you were really on a on a nice roll there. So the thing I was remembering yeah. before is the main point is that you're saying Salvation is from the Lord. Yes. It starts with the Lord. It's by his sovereign will that we are saved, that we know him. And baptism is that mark of saying, salvation comes from you. So there's that. But this book is just helpful. I feel like it's helpful to get those big pictures of things. And And what is the one thing, I don't know if he expressed this in the book, if Mark Horn did, but you said that one of the things that really opened up your eyes scripturally speaking, was when Christ says, let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them. The kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Yeah. So I think especially because it was in the context of us attending church and a church that practices um, communion every week and that being, you have to be baptized before you have communion. And Mm -hmm. so... Um, our kids weren't allowed to do that because they hadn't been baptized. And so they were feeling like, hey, everyone is a part of this thing, but we're not. And even part of like the language around coming to the table is it's for everyone. And they're like, but the pastor said it's for everyone and we don't get it. Like, so having that experience and then reading in Mark where Jesus says, let the little children come unto me and do not hinder them. It's like, oh my gosh, well, that is exactly what we're doing. Yeah. We're not allowing them to come to the table of fellowship. And it's also, it goes back to, in is it in Numbers? Where it talks about talk to your children, teach your children when you're going by the way, at night, in the morning, like everywhere you're going, you're to teach your children of the Lord and of his ways. So it doesn't make sense to be teaching your children how to pray, Father, our father and how to repent of their sin. Hey, you just hit your brother. This is what's necessary. That breaks God's commandments. Like you're, te- we are practically teaching them the steps of the faith, but then to say, but you're not really a part yet. Right. You know, it's right. like, what sense does that make? Like you're basically telling your children, you're not a part of God's family until this thing that you do, it's putting all the pressure on the child and their, choice rather than saying hey 
you're in because God made it so. And that, so it makes sense that we're teaching you Mm -hmm. to pray, God, my father, that we're teaching you to repent and we're orienting your sense of right and wrong by God's word. The one who has the authority to say what's right and what's wrong. So it feels like in, in light of all of scripture, it's just such a consistent way to train your children up and the promises being for you and your children and uh-huh. your children's children and all who are far off. Like if God's promises are for us and for our children, then we should be teaching them and we shouldn't be telling them they're heathens while we're teaching them, Right. which is kind of what you're doing if you're saying, you know, you can't be baptized until you confess and we see fruit. Right. Like, And you understand every tenet of, yeah. you know, this creed or that creed or the exact understanding of salvation. Like, yeah. No, that's not, that's... It, it's it's not even the Old Testament model. I uh, mean, you 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 touched on this and you and you said it, but I think really what made me go, huh? That's really intriguing. Is the feasts and the festivals? Mm. The children were not left out of partaking in the Passover meal. Yeah. I mean, they didn't say, oh no no no, you can't if you can't quote all ten commandments, <laughs> you know, You're to 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 the two year old who's reaching for food, yeah. who's reaching for bread. You can't have it. Yeah. Like, that's not what we see even in the Old Testament. In the New Testament is a greater sense of Christ's presence mm-hmm. because of Christ being sacrificed, giving us his body, um, shedding his blood. Like it's, we even have a greater part, if you will, of the covenant sure. now than what even they did because what they had was a type and a shadow of what was to come. Yeah. So if anything, Christianity is so much about family. It's so much about parents raising and nurturing their children, if they if they have them, then it is just, okay, well, you know, come to Jesus just in saving faith, and then, you know, your 10-year-old, he might be a heathen, he might not be. Like, no, raise him in a Christian home. Raise him in a Christian environment. Raise him to be a Christian, because if, you're, if you are a Christian and your spouse is a Christian, he is a Christian. Now, he can walk away from that. And if you don't, I mean, there's something to, this is a much longer sure. conversation. Yeah. And to he's, have. Oops. Sorry. He's covenantally part of God's family. Yeah. And yeah, it doesn't guarantee he won't walk away from that. But when you baptize your baby, you're saying, Lord, this child is yours and we will trust you for this child's salvation. He's yours because he's been placed in our family. And even in, I think it's in, it's somewhere in the New Testament, but Remember the scripture where um, the apostle is saying because of because the mother is a believer, yep. the father's First not a believer. Yeah. The child is clean. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, and like some of it is still kind of mysterious to me, and some of it I'm still like the semantics. I can be tripped up. Like, what exactly are we saying? But for everything I do see that we're saying, that seems so clear biblically. It, it makes perfect sense. Right. And salvation is a mystery, like you've pointed out. Like, when is the exact moment of your salvation? Mm-hmm. Yeah, when is? Is it when you yep. realize it completely? Or... Or is it some other time? Salvation yeah. is from the Lord, like you, like, like you said. Actually, yeah. Hosea said it, I think. <laughs> well, I know that, that someone else said it besides you, but you happened to bring it up. I did. So, yeah, yeah. Salvation is from the Lord. And yes, you do, to be saved, we're not saying, oh, you don't repent. Of course you do. Like, yes, you absolutely, yes. In that case, the 
the onus or the the need for anyone is to repent of their sin, come to saving faith and knowledge of Jesus Christ. But salvation is still a mystery. Salvation is still of the Lord, ultimately. He is the one who, by his mercy, he he gives us that. When does he actually give us that? He might give it to us when we're one or two years old or five or 50. And I don't think it's fair for us to say that that two-year-old or one-year-old might not be a Christian. I mean, even even John the Baptist was filled with the Holy Spirit when he was in his mother's womb, Elizabeth. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I know we're all we're talking about a subject that is hotly debated, and I realize there will be people watching and listening that will say, "Uh-uh, no." But we would recommend. <laughs> sorry for bumping the mic. We would recommend this book here. Why baptize babies? Yeah, and he does a better job than me kind of all over the place. But even if you don't go, ah, okay, yeah, I'm going to baptize my babies. Right. If you read this, you'll go, okay, this is where they're coming from. This is the biblical case. This is the thinking behind it and not, you know, just from nice pie in the sky ideas, but from the word. This is how these conclusions have been drawn. Um, I also, this wasn't from that book, but another thing that did have me thinking was, maybe Doug Wilson said this at some point it's you know in the New Testament you're seeing all first generation converts you're seeing people preach repent and be baptized and then they and their household do but it's kind of similar to present day missions if you go to a tribe that's never heard the name of Christ and you tell them Jesus is Lord repent of your sin you explain what sin is and they get saved great you they're saved and then you baptize them but what about their kids? Mm-hmm. Like the New Testament isn't around long enough in their writings. They're all in such a small time period that you don't see when, you know, the jailer's child grows up and then has a baby. Like does he baby? <laughs> right. does, does he, he does baptize, he baptize that baby? baby? Like right. we don't know. We don't get that part of the story. But the consistency of um, circumcision, baptism is kind of the new circumcisions. And so... If you were to go into a present day land and preach to them, then how would that be applied on down? Like that's kind of the the thinking here. Sure. So for, you know, unbelievers, no, that you wouldn't baptize their babies. Like they're not covenantally anything to the Lord. So it's in believing households that things do happen differently no. because of that. And God made families. Like that's an institution that he created. It's not this great idea of, oh, we fell in love, let's like just get married and let's have kids. Like God made that. He yeah. made marriage and he made the family. So like just understanding the significance of that and it being God made, not man invented. Yeah, absolutely. So. Absolutely. Okay. Okay, Very you good. talk about a book. Very good. Well, I mean, we've actually talk. been going pretty long. I, I think oh. that I would like to highlight a scripture. Yes, uh, this do. is This is a scripture that we read in Family Devotions um, a few weeks ago. And it really struck us. It's in Luke. It's near the end of Luke. And it's the passage where Christ tells Peter he's going to deny him three times. And of course, Peter's response is, no way. Not me. <laughs> Not me. There's no way I'm going to deny you. Um, and But what, what Courtney and I both looked up from one another after I read this, like, <laughs> have we ever read this? I mean, somehow this is, I mean, I, I know we've read it many, this, many times, but yeah, this has common... escaped... 
or it's notice. It's a common occurrence, I feel like, reading the Bible that I'm like, have I ever read this? Like, yeah. There's always what? something new that jumps out yeah. at you. Yeah. That's the mark of a good book. And in this case, the best <laughs> book. So The best book. Yeah. So anyway, I'll just read a few verses. So this is after um, Christ is, or Christ, Peter is denying Christ. He, he said, uh, then after about an hour had passed, another confidently affirmed, saying, surely this fellow also was with him, for he is a Galilean. But Peter said, man, I do not know what you are saying. Immediately while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said to him before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So Peter went out and wept bitterly. So the Lord himself, after Peter denies him three times, is standing there. Some, they're, they're in some proximity Somewhere. of one another. And the Lord turns to look at Peter. who uh, has. Den- I mean, that... Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Cut to the heart. Cut to the and heart. And maybe they're far enough away that Jesus wasn't in earshot and knew. Obviously, he knew Peter was going to deny him. Yeah. But even across a large place, if the Lord turns and looks at you, yeah. at the moment of your denial that He foretold. Yeah. Oh man. The Lord Himself looks at Peter. Yeah. Give the reference because people are going to yes. be like, "That's not in there." I don't yeah. believe that. <laughs> so it's it's Luke. 22 or the other people will be whoa, how did they miss that right yeah <laughs> the other That's people so obvious. yeah that was so obvious I re- Luke 22 uh, specifically it's verse 61 Luke 22 61 so and the amazing Lord if that struck you before and but looked at Peter yeah I yeah and you hear that that's like a very popular story so you hear that's hold a lot yeah. and I don't ever hear in somebody's retelling of it no that line but that just made it very near very tangible yeah 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 very good it's very good um let's just uh, briefly briefly highlight because we pretty much have a subject at this point that we've already i mean we've already talked enough about that is the last book i don't think we have enough time to go into all of the uh, uh, facets of every book that we're reading right now. Totally so, not. Um, we'll, we'll do another <laughs> book next time. We've talked about Mark Horn once tonight. Let's talk about him again. Uh, this is J.R.R. Tolkien, uh, written by Mark Horn. <laughs> uh, so there you go. Uh, there you go we'll Mark. save thoughts on that. Yeah, for next save time. thoughts on this. Good. Uh, but just real quick, the only thought I want to say is it's a it's a it's a smaller book. I've read some biographies on Tolkien. Uh, but it's it's compact. It has a lot of good material on him. There's a lot of good anecdotal stories and things that uh, Mark puts together. And this was a really fun read. And uh, I, in fact, uh, my two oldest boys, I would swap turns with them on who was listening. Because sometimes <laughs> I would just read it to myself. And then I would be helping one with school. And he'd say, Dad, read it out loud. And they'd be really interested. So uh, I read this uh, off and on out loud to... Uh, Two of my sons, and then, of course, I read it by myself. But anyway, <laughs> great, great book. Really, uh, yeah, really good. And um, go ahead and highlight The Fellowship, The Literary Lies of the Inklings, which is just, you took off the cover. I did. You took I t- it off. I, t- I did, because it looks so nice. Like okay, this. so this book is The Literary Lives of the Inklings by Philip, what is it? Zelensky. Philip and Zelensky Carol. and Carol Zelensky. I read this book... About five years ago. And I have been challenging Courtney to read this book. If you've ever read this book, please let me know. Because we could have a great conversation. Uh, This book highlights C.S. Lewis. 
uh, J.R. Tolkien, Owen Barfield, and Charles Williams. So four of the Inklings. There were many. There were there were more, mm-hmm. but four of the Inklings are highlighted throughout this book, and it is a. Uh, I don't want to say it's fully replete as far as all of their life is concerned, but it is. It gets in the weeds, but the weeds are super interesting, and yeah. it's so well written. But you're reading it right now, so you say a few words on it. Yeah, I'm only 62 pages in, but already like I've learned a ton, and also just the way that these men applied their minds and their time has been both inspiring and kind of discouraging because they were such better stewards of their time and the the depths and the places that they went to with reading and learning and language and the worlds that were open to them because they pressed in and studied and learned deep and absorbed everything that they possibly could it's like astounding especially tolkien yeah oh gosh i read a chapter on him that i'm like i okay i I don't even know i don't even know (laughs) what i've been doing with my time but like reading what he did with his time yeah and how deep he went with language and like all of his stories and worlds really were birthed out of his exploration of language yeah like i'm still like mind boggled about some of that lewis Although he's brilliant and retains like everything he's ever read, which is <laughs> and another read thing ev- that and read everything and read everything in, in the English language practically. Yeah, yeah. Some like the telling of his story doesn't do the same thing that hearing about Tolkien did to me. And just like I'm still in the beginning of Tolkien's life, like he's probably a teenager uh, with what I read, and I'm going, what, what? Yeah. So yeah, but really, really inspiring and interesting and delightful. Yeah. Oh yeah, really good. Okay, so to highlight this real quick, that hideous strength, C.S. Lewis, I'm reading this out loud to you when you do dishes at night and clean the kitchen, uh, but we're making our way through it. We're about, we're almost done. Yeah. About three-fourths of the way through, and this is a, yeah, this is a great book. Very it exciting. Is. and it's part of a trilogy. Yep. It's the third, but it can be read alone. Lewis even says so in the beginning, because I did not read the first two. You have read the read, whole series I read before, all, yeah. but... You just jumped me in on this one. And yeah, it's fascinating and just small um, plug for it. If you read, the NICE can basically be substituted by the CDC. Just saying. <laughs> and those who have read this book know exactly what we're saying. Yeah. So that's pretty crazy. cool. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Last book, real quick Word Smithy by Doug Wilson. Uh, this is a tiny little book, uh, but it is compact. It's really good, a lot of information. For those especially who are wanting to be writers, um, Doug provides just a lot of great tidbits, hints, um, helpful information, how to write, how to read. So even if you don't want to write, he talks really about what to read and how to read, how to infiltrate information and really understand life like in a robust kind of way. Hmm. So that way you're, you have something to write about. But anyway, yeah, so even if you don't want to write, I would I would suggest Wordsmithy by Doug Wilson. I, I say Doug like we know him. Yeah. We met him once. <laughs> um, so by Doug Wilson, this is a really good book. Okay, um, last uh, we have, let's see, so we had the Marcus Pittman interview. Um, if you haven't watched that, it's on YouTube and also on wherever you get your podcast. You can listen to it if you want to. Before that, we had Wade Stotts from Canon Press. That was a, that was a, that was a really fun interview. Yeah, we fun. had fun with Wade. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we had fun with him. Coming up, we I believe we're trying to make arrangements with 
uh, Joe Boot, and I say trying, we just have to get an exact date. So um, we do have Joe Boot coming. He's uh, coming to us from Canada, so we are looking forward to talking to him, um, especially about the crazy law, the law that uh, Canada passed just recently. Um, it's just nuts. Uh, yeah. We won't get into it right now. And then also uh, maybe Canadian truckers, if that's still going on, which is a interesting crazy thing going on right now in Canada with 40 miles I read of a truck convoy going all the way to Ottawa I believe and their tyrant of a leader is uh, escaped and he's ran away because he came down with the thing you know you know what the thing is and he's (laughs) hiding somewhere in a bunker because he doesn't want to deal with the small fringe minority of the trucker movement or whatever so Yeah. yeah lots of fun stuff going on in Canada right now so hopefully we get a chance to talk to Joe Boot in the next uh, few weeks. And then in the month of March, we are scheduled to talk to Doug Wilson. So that will be a really great time, and we're looking forward to that very much. Yep. So do you have anything you want to conclude by? With? No, you don't? No. You don't have anything to say? Okay. <laughs> nope. Wonderful. Said it all. Okay. All right. Well, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening, and we will see you on the next episode. Have a good week. Thank you for listening to the Love of Life podcast, Conversations with Jesse and Courtney. It is our duty through our schools to create a new one, a God-centered one. We are told in Proverbs 8, verses 35 and 36, For whoso findeth me findeth life, and shall obtain favor of the Lord. But he that sinneth against me wrongeth his own soul. All they that hate me love death.